What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 205 of the Masterclass podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and of course, I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Dave Hogue. What's up, man? Hey, good to be here. Um, just enjoying the summertime. Did I say that last week? That I was just I, enjoying the summer. <laughs> I, you know, I love that you think that I remember that bit of our conversation last week. That was a whole seven days ago, Dave. Yes. So we, uh, we're reading a book, Dave. How's that for a transition? We are. Yeah. Now, but <laughs> Wonderful. You know, we, we're just professionals. The, uh, uh, before before we got on the air, I said that I underlined underlined excuse me a lot in this chapter, and you said that you didn't. So I am very intrigued for the conversation that we're about to have, based on that statement. Um, do you, <laughs> before we dig into details, do you have any overarching thoughts about the chapter, or any reasons that perhaps this chapter didn't quite uh, strike you? Like it might. I just no. I, I, I guess I felt it was pretty straightforward. I felt like, um, I felt like it was a good chapter, and, you know, there's kind of three main points that he goes over, and, um, so yeah, it it was. I thought it was good, um, but yeah, I just didn't underline a whole lot. Understood. I guess the reason I underline so much with books that Dallas has written is because he makes things so straightforward in ways that I, in ways that, you know, I've said this before, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have never thought about it that way before, but duh, it makes so much sense. Like there's, there's one that's on page 38 for me. That is mm-hmm. in the uh, humble arrogance, who me Lord section, where he says, mm. um, on the other hand, that such a communication might seem to make us important. Similar thoughts may be stirred up at the suggestion of God's talking to us, but these thoughts are simply irrelevant to his purposes in dealing with us. Moreover, they contain tragic misconceptions that have the power to shut us off from the individualized word of God. In the first place, we are that important. We were important enough for God to give his son's life for us and to choose to inhabit us as a living temple. Obviously, then we are important enough for him to guide us and speak to us whenever that is appropriate. And I wrote in the margin, how have I never thought about it this way? Wow. And, and this isn't this is in the context of why would God bother to talk to us about our daily stuff? Why would God care mm-hmm. what we're up to? Why would God be invested in what we're doing and how we're doing it? And in that, oh, I'm not, I'm not, or not Moses, I'm not Paul, whatever. I'm just a nobody. And in that mm-hmm. that idea of like, oh, we're we're being humble about our unimportance or whatever, and and it's generally thought of as he put like as a way to be like, Oh, I'm not like, it's, it's a humility thing. When in reality, we're kind of insulting God because we are made in his image. He sent his son to die in our place so that he could save us from our own sin that we 
engaged in so that we could be with him even though we don't deserve it. So for us to say, oh, I'm not that important, why would God bother, is really to insult God's grace and his willingness to forgive his enemies while we were still his enemies. And to think of it that way is just like, oh my gosh, we are such pieces of work. For us to think that we're being humble by saying, oh, why would God bother? When really it's like, God has shown that he wants to bother at every possible opportunity. He cares so much for us and about us and wants so much more for us in this life and the next that he's willing to do all of these crazy things that don't make sense in our minds because we are so vindictive and broken that we, we assume that that same mindset applies to God. And it's like, mm, that's not how it works. And, and so for us to think that we are not important and that God wouldn't bother to care what is going on for us on a Thursday as this false humility mm -hmm. is like, no, God does care because he made you in his image and his son died for you and his spirit indwells you and has made you a temple and has purified you and redeemed you and forgiven you and has adopted you. Like, of course God cares. And that perspective has to be a fundamental shift in how we not only see God, but also how we see ourselves. And that is why that, that whole section was just like, this is so, it's all over scripture. It's so obvious, but the way that Dallas writes it so succinctly in one paragraph, it's like, man, how have I not, how have I not been able to distill it? And it's, it's not about comparing intellect or, or whatever, but like, I just, I appreciate, you know, whether it's Dallas or other authors or when we were covering stuff that Paul wrote, where it's just like, wow, the whole gospel in a sentence, like how, how distracted do I get from the truth and how willingly am I, am I going to not acknowledge the truth? in the very basic nature of the way that God has mm -hmm. made things and the way that God intends them to be. And it's, it just floors me sometimes when it's just stated so succinctly and so clearly, God loves us because he created us in his image and he will do whatever it takes to return us to that state. And for me to think otherwise is my way to undermine all of the good that God has intended for me. And that just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And you know, I think it, I think it continues with that. You know, to me, this was, this was all about the relationship and God desiring to be a, in relationship with us. And the fact is, is that is special. That is incredible. That does make us, make us important. But then there's also kind of this element of, but you're not more important than the next guy. And, you know, there's, this is about, again, I'm going to say it again. It's about the relationship with God, us and him. And when it becomes perverted is when we become you know, 
and I and I'm thinking of many church leaders who do this where well I've gotten a word from God, I've heard from God and they present it in a way that makes them special or more important and Dallas warns against that as well. Like this is about an intimate conversation. It's a private conversation doesn't mean that it doesn't spill over into the rest of our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't share with other people, but we don't stand in a pulpit. We don't stand in front of a crowd and say, I'm special because I've heard from God. And, and so, and so that's just like, I, you know, and and again, I just come back to this fact that I mean, God longs for us. I mean, this is what this is this is all about. This that you know, he he went into great detail throughout this chapter about and God is still God, but I I had a moment in what you were talking about and throughout this chapter of just being like kind of having this sense of like God's not that different than us. And obviously we're created in his image of God is not that different from us and that he wants real relationships. He wants quality relationships. He wants the genuine article and that there is that longing for us to seek him and spend time with him and be in relationship with him. Just as the father, son, Holy spirit are in relationship with each other, we can engage in that very same level. And um, it shouldn't be foreign to us because it's something that we all long for. And that is, we're created in his in his image. Um, we desire it; he desires it. And I guess, kind of, just back to what you said. I mean, <laughs> there's a there's an element of it's right there in front of our face, and we don't always see it. We don't always seek it. We don't always know it. So. Yeah, there, yeah. Well, you you mentioned in 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 your thought there that we're not so different from God, and and I want to take that same concept and apply it to a different part uh, of this chapter where it talks about our ability to connect on a human level with the people that we read about in Scripture, whether that be Moses or Paul or mm-hmm. you know Peter or Elijah or you know any of the uh, the people that we read about in, in the scriptures and it's easy because of, you know, time distance and cultural distance and geographic distance and, you know, all the ways that we might differentiate ourselves from the people we read about in the Bible to not necessarily think of them as people like us. So Dallas says, Conversely, if we are really to understand the Bible record, we must enter into our study of it on the assumption that the experiences recorded there are basically of the same type as ours would have been if we had been there. And he carries on to quote A.W. Tozer, It is possible to go on to become an expert in Bible doctrine and not have spiritual illumination, with the result that a veil remains over the mind, preventing it from apprehending the truth in a spiritual essence. And so those two quotes are are kind of sandwiching this idea that we can read the Bible as just a book full of intellectual knowledge, where we read these stories, we read these histories, we we, we read all of this stuff, and we're like, "Mm, yes, very good, indeed, indeed, mm, yes, mm." 
smoke your pipe, right? Wear your jacket with the elbow hatches and feel very intellectual. But if we don't condescend to the point where we realize these are real people that actually lived, that are human, just like us, and if we don't understand the stories based on human emotion and human thinking, and we don't realize this stuff actually happened to real people that we can think like, regardless of how separated we are from them, we miss out on a huge part, which is why I always joke about how awkward that walk between Abraham and Isaac must have been after he tried to kill him on the mountaintop on the way back home. Like that was a real dad and a real son who really tried to sacrifice his son. And then they had to walk home together for like a day or two to get back to the house. Like just think of that from a, an emotional standpoint. They had some stuff to work through. And you think about, right? you know, uh, he mentions like Ananias being told to go uh, to the house to meet Paul. Who's like, well, Paul has just been spent the last however many years persecuting and murdering Christians. And this guy is supposed to go meet this dude and help him and teach him the teachings of Jesus and share with him the gospel. I can imagine Ananias was like, I'm good. I got paperwork to do. I got a family barbecue to attend. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that guy because of what he's done. And right. and so it's, it's easy for us. I guess my whole point in this is there is a, one of the ways that scripture can remain fresh, despite the fact that we know that scripture is always fresh and new when we read it is to lean into the human aspect of what these people would have gone through by putting yourself in that position. How would I react? That doesn't mean that's how Abraham would react or how Moses would react, but to just even have that mental and emotional exercise of, holy crap, this was a real woman or man that had emotions, that had thoughts and opinions, that had fears, right? And oftentimes we don't go there when we're either preaching or teaching or even studying. We're just like, "Hmm, what theological point can I get? Or how can this make me feel better today? If we want to talk about Christian radio, like there, there is, there is an emotional and human connection to these characters that we miss out on. If we don't take the time to go, man, what would I do in this situation? How would I react? What would my, you know, what would encourage me? What would scare me? What would make me nervous? What would make me uncertain? Why would I be excited? Would this make me laugh or cry or, you know, and, and that is, that is one way in which we can grow closer to God through his word to us is to engage with it in not just an intellectual way, but also an emotional way. Now the danger is we swing all the way to the other side and we only engage with it emotionally and don't think about it intellectually or spiritually. And we just let it make us feel good. Right. And, and so there's, there's that with it. We, we have to have that balance, but I just, I found that point uh, very interesting because, you know, it's really easy not to engage in that way with a book that, especially if you've read it a bunch or been in church your whole life, 
to just be like, yeah, Jesus died for my sins, like whatever, and just not realize like, oh, we've become numb to the the grandness and the importance and the eternality of it all in that way. Yeah, and that's, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, but time and time again, these people act the way normal people mm-hmm. act when they're <laughs> are in their situation. And so, yeah, I mean, they're really, if you really break it down, um, there are very few Daniel type experiences where he does what he's supposed to do and God shows up and, and, and rescues him and walks along inside side of him. And he does all the right things. Almost everybody else just seems to screw it up or try to do it their own way or, you know, so there's that. And then, uh, you know, um, so one of the things that's, that's, that's in this chapter is, is there's a verse that we're supposed to read and kind of walk through um, exactly what you're talking about. We put ourselves in the story, what things stand out to us, what do we experience? And, you know, I think the other thing that, that the 21st century church in America would benefit from if all of us did this more often is we'd be like, yeah, I've really never had to experience that one. Yeah. That's never, you know, and I, I just am like, I think we'd read it and be like, well, I've never had to run into the forest because my life was in danger of being snuffed out because of my passion for Jesus, my passion for God. Um, you know, we like, that's just what stood out to me in all of this is, um, I wholeheartedly believe in a relationship with God. I wholeheartedly believe that he shows up. But for me, there was just a, how often do I put things into place to take care of myself? How often do I put things into place to solve my problems? How often do I put things into place to make my life easy, to make my life comfortable? and not um, rely on him and, and hear from him. And so, you know, I, I know what my experience was, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on everybody else, and I don't know everybody else's is the same, but I think all of us would just come to this realization of we pray an awful lot about convenience, and even going back to our, you know, the previous chapter of, uh, I, you know, I think we pray for things to make our life easy and we're not, and, and, and I don't think these things are mutually exclusive, but I don't think we're praying for his will to be done. I don't think we're praying for him to be glorified. We are seeking for our comfort and our pleasure. And because of the world that we live in, because of the time that we live in, I think sometimes we think things are answered to prayer that aren't really answered to prayer. We're not really seeking him and hearing him and, and listening to him. So yeah, <laughs> that's my thought. Yeah, on that. that's man. That's a lot. Um, I oh, go ahead. And, and, and I'm guilty oh, of it yeah, too. I, that's, that's all I'm saying. There's, there's a part to kind of like zoom out from what you were talking about. This whole idea of like hearing from God or asking God, like specifically for certain things. And also sorry that my dog has uh, made his way into the show. He has destroyed the bed that I just bought for him four days ago. I'm really happy about it. 
um, there's a section at the very beginning of this chapter that talks about how hearing from God is just a part of our relationship with him, which we talked about last episode, but I think this was a very good job of placing hearing from God in the correct context, which I think harkens back to what you were just talking about that I want to share with the listeners. So it says, In our attempts to understand how God speaks to us and guides us, we must above all hold on to the fact that this is to be sought only as a part of a certain kind of life, a life of loving fellowship with the king and his other subjects within the kingdom of the heavens. We must never forget that God's speaking to us, however we experience it in our initial encounter, is intended to develop into an intelligent, freely cooperative relationship between mature people who love each other with the richness of genuine agape love. We must therefore make it our primary goal not just to hear the voice of God, but to be mature people in a loving relationship with Him. Only in this way will we hear Him rightly. And I think that is such a rock-solid explanation of, of how our relationship with God in regards to hearing Him uh, should be because to like we God give me this God give me this God do, you know do you know like and we we read some of that in the Psalms so like bringing what we want to God or what scares us to God or is is a good thing but that is a that is a sliver of a greater relationship you know you think about the people that you have your tightest relationships with if you only went to them in times of trouble. Well, that's not a relationship. That's just you nagging them, and they would probably not respond, right? <laughs> In the way that at least that you would hope. You know, like I, yeah. I think of like you know when I was younger, and I would I would literally walk up to my parents and like poke them in the chest and say twenty dollars, please. Like you know, they're the ATMs. I need to. I want to go to the movies. Give me twenty bucks. Like <laughs> no interaction. I literally would poke them in the chest and go twenty dollars. And sometimes it worked and sometimes <laughs> it backfired and I did not get to go to the movies for the next month. But, <laughs> but like we, we can't have that sort of robotic interaction with God. I mean, we, we can, but that's not what God intends. And there's this whole Stepford wives illustration that, that happens at the beginning of the chapter that I don't think we need to get into. But the whole point is we cannot chase a relationship with God where we are given everything we want by God and we give nothing in return. This has to be a back and forth between committed individuals that want to grow and foster uh, a deeper relationship of which talking to each other is a part of, but there's also this idea of, he talks about communion and communication in this chapter too. Like relationships are more than just talking. Relationships are also just being together. Relationships are also doing things together. Relationships are also 
talking about things. So there's this communion of being together. There's this communication of sharing thoughts and ideas and feelings. And and then there's the the outgrowing of that, which is the deepening of the relationship. You know, you think of relationships with friends or with spouses and how often do you spend time with friends or spouses where you're just with each other? And then there's times where you're in deep or heated conversation or you're asking for help. And we need to have that sort of relationship with God. And and the hard part is, is a friend or a spouse is either in the room with you or on the phone with you or on a computer screen. You can see them, you know, and, and the tricky part is with God, well, I can't FaceTime God and I can't text him, right? And he can't come give me a hug or, you know, smack me when I'm being stupid and be like, hey, get it together, bro. Uh, no, no, he, he can't do that part. Like, Job happened. Like, we can't deny that. Um, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah. different. And so all of these things are just analogies, but the, the premises remain the same. God is not after our robotic following of what he says is good and right and true. He is after a relationship with us in which we want to pursue him and his truth and his goodness so that our actions reflect what he says is right and good. And that is the the part that is exciting for me and also causes me some strife because I know myself and I don't always want to do what I know is right and good. I want to do what makes me feel good Mm -hmm. in the moment and, you know, consequences be damned. And then the consequences happen and I'm like, Oh God, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I know what's going to happen, but I chose, (laughs) I choose to do what's wrong anyways. And, and so that I think is, is the crux for me of this whole thing is, How do I, at this point in my life, with, you know, so much history and habits and and that sort of stuff, how do I pursue a deeper relationship with God, knowing what I know about myself and knowing what I know about God, and then the, the inherent conflict between, you know, my my sin and God's goodness and and how do I navigate that? And I think even in saying that I'm overthinking it. I think the answer is just continually go to God. There is, um, I was reading an article, an interview with Tim Keller yesterday. And the very last question was, do you have any regrets in your ministry and his answer, which I think is really applicable to this conversation is absolutely. I should have prayed more. No question. Mm. And I think that answer is an answer for a lot of us about our relationship with God. Absolutely. I should have spent more time in conversation with God. I should have spent more time listening. I should have spent Mm -hmm. more time 
with him. And I, I like that. I, the, I say that, and I know I have so many years of bad habits of, to break when it comes to that. Yeah. But I'm also encouraged by it because here's somebody that by all accounts is a successful, you know, pastor. Big church, (laughs) lots of books, you know, helped run the Gospel Coalition. Seemingly thus far has not had anything, you know, uh, like other, you know, famous pastors to... uh, destroy their credibility, all that sort of stuff, you know? So by earthly standards, very successful. Um, and that's his response. And I don't know the guy. I respect the heck out of his books and and his ministry. Uh, never met him. Would like to, um, but here's somebody that after all that he has done has the humility to say, Absolutely, I should have prayed more. And I think that's an encouragement for all of us, no matter where we're at, to really remember where our focus should be on, and that is communion with God. Yeah. So um, this was one part that I did underline. Uh, this was one that stood out to me as well. And I don't have a lot to say on it because I, I agree uh, with what you were saying there. And what struck me is, is so I think it's, it's kind of a, well, one of the last verses says, we must therefore make it our primary goal, not just to hear the voice of God, but to mature people mm-hmm. in living relationship with him. And I just had this moment of what if we crossed out the not just to hear the voice of God and we read it as we must therefore make it our primary goal to be mature people in a loving relationship Amen. with God. Hallelujah. And and in that in and of itself was just this this realization of like, like let's say God never gave us any advice, gave us never gave us any direction, never never there was nothing in terms of that benefited us in terms of his divine, but it was simply that we got to be in a relationship with the creator of the universe. We get to be in a relationship with God almighty. Like that should be enough. Now I, I, I'm not trying to ignore the fact that these are things that he Mm -hmm. tells us, you know, he lets us know, I'm sending the counselor to you. You know, I, I, I I want, you know, I want to be involved in your life. I want to give you these things, but honestly, it just is, is I read that and just kind of had that moment of, if our goal is just to be mature people and a loving relationship with God, man, that would just be enough in and of itself. Like we, you know, there are so many people that you know, on the surface level from what we know of them, we're like, Oh, I'd love to be friends with that person. Oh, I'd love to, you know, well, shoot. Even if you don't like the president of the United States, it'd be cool (laughs) to know the president of the United States. It'd be cool to be included in the inner circle. 
And here we have the creator of the universe that is allowing us into his inner circle. We are getting to commune with him. And this is not lip service. This is not metaphor. This is truly what God does. And one of the things that I've been kind of wrestling with or embracing or whatever you want to use is, is, and we've even talked about this as well, is I've just really had this concept of like, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. Um, I think I have a good grasp of who God is. I think I have a grasp of who Jesus is. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, like I, I just kind of dismiss him time and time again. I can't even believe those words are going to come <laughs> out of my mouth. Is being, you know, like not as important or whatever. And like, I've just, I've really had this, this realization or this revelation lately of just like, I want to know the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who is here for us. And, um, just really tried to be more present in that concept of um, God, the person who is here with me now in this world, in this life, as I read the Bible, as I pray, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, I know you're present. God, I know you're there. But Holy Spirit, I don't know you that well. <laughs> I want to know you. And uh, again, it sounds cheesy coming out of my word, my mouth. It sounds blasphemous for it to come out of my mouth. but. I'm really just trying to make this effort to know the Holy Spirit better because I don't. And um, anyway, I'm not going to ramble on on that. But yeah, so um, mature people in a loving relationship with him and the concrete, what is practical, what is available to us uh, in the world today is the Holy Spirit. And we should know more about him and, and seek him. So. No, those are my thoughts. I one hundred percent. I think <laughs> what you did there was by removing that, like, because we're so focused on hearing from God and what's God's will, or right? like that's the point Dallas is getting at. And by by removing that, you have I think gotten to the end of the book in in the sense that we need to focus on the end goal, right? This idea of having eternal perspective which for us obviously is impossible, but we mm-hmm. can we can sort of fake it if we are focused on I, like we've talked about this, you and I, because of our appreciation for Dallas, especially in the, the audio version of in, in Living in Christ's Presence, like the way that he speaks and the emotion that he has when he talks about Jesus it's like, oh, we, I, I mm-hmm. want that. That's where I want to be. And I want to be there now. And I know that's not going to happen, right? Like now I can't get to, I can't get to, to 80 year old right. Dallas as a 35 year old me. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. But this idea of having that, that long view of, I want to be in a mature relationship with God. Just that's the goal. And and as a result of that being the goal along the way, I will learn to have a conversational relationship with him. I will learn 
grace. I will learn mercy. I will learn for like all of the, the, the things that God calls us to the fruit of the spirit and his character. Like it's so easy to focus on the details and, and, and by focusing on the details, we lose the end goal, right? That, that is just such a human thing to do, to focus so hard on yes. steps yep. 1A, 1B, <laughs> 1C, you know, that we forget what the end goal is. And the end goal is to be in a loving, mature, deep, and intimate relationship with God. That is why he made us to begin with. That is the end goal. And if I get stuck in this cul-de-sac of whatever, you know, denomination or political party or whatever, like the, the, the amount of exit ramps off of that trajectory are infinite based on, based on when yes. and where you live. They're all going to be different, but they're all going to be there. And I, I just, I love your thought of like, okay, we're focused on hearing God, but like, let's just remove that and let's just focus on a mature relationship with God as the end goal. And if that is what we are focused on, if, if that is the thing that we are looking to and wanting and desiring and praying about, then the other parts that lead to that will happen and they won't be distractions. They won't even maybe be milestones that could, you know, distract us or derail us. Like if our goal is on the end, then we are in a really, really good spot because if our goal is on the milestones, well, guess what comes with milestones? Pride, right? And look what I did. Hmm, I memorized all of Isaiah or whatever. Like, is it good? Is it good to memorize right, scripture? Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Should you throw yourself a party Absolutely. for it? No, you 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 really shouldn't. Um, I don't know why I thought that just came out of my mouth. That was a weird thing to say. But I, <laughs> I'm doing a really poor job of saying what you said was really really good. So I should shut up now and just let that stand. I'm just. All right. I'm, well, I felt that was in response no, to what you I'm, said. I'm so. here for it, Dave. I think I think you have you have spoken um, something really, really good, and uh, I hope that our listeners um, received it in the way that I did. Cool. So I don't know about you, but uh, I think I think uh, we're ready for chapter three. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yes. ladies and gentlemen, it has been uh, a pleasure to record this 205th episode of the Masterclass podcast. Uh, his name is Dave. My name is still Cam. Uh, on good days, I don't know what Dave calls me on bad days, but we probably, you know, should just leave it at Cam <laughs> for now. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, you can find show notes at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 205. We'll have links to the book uh, as well as a way for you to get in touch should you care to do so. And uh, until next time, um, keep reading good books. That seems like good advice. We'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye.